Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome in episode 19 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, and I'm joined by my co-host, the man, the myth, and always the legend, Aaron Riley. Uh, happy to be back with you tonight, Aaron. I'm uh, very happy that three of the four major sports are officially back in our lives. Not happy, you know, about the Marlins situation, um, about a bunch of NFL guys opting out of the season, but uh, nonetheless, I am happy that three of the four major sports are back. Um, thanks to the listeners, by the way. Uh, I don't think I've really thanked the listeners, it felt like it's been a while since I've thanked you guys in the beginning of the show, but thanks for listening. Uh, we, we appreciate it. As always, you can find us on Apple, uh, Spotify, Breaker, and wherever else you might get your podcasts um, as well. But Aaron, uh, glad to be back with you tonight for another show and very much looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm all uh, I'm all excited about MLB being back, especially. Uh, you know, I know the, uh, the NBA, the NHL about to kick off and, and – uh, the uh the playoffs but uh just hoping that everything can stay together and uh you know always as you touched on super appreciative for the listeners and you know as as we transition in into the sports beginning it's it's only going to get better and better as as we promised yeah long gone are the days of us talking endlessly about the last dance so i'm very, mm-hmm. very glad we have a full slate of topics to talk about but let's get into it and now for today's topics. Starting off the MLB, uh, I, I think uh, some of the big news is obviously the Marlins situation. Um, I, I think we briefly touched on it, you know, on, on Tuesday's show, but um, it, it's, it's been stemming, I think, for, for a little bit now, I think, with, you know, the MLB um, not doing a bubble situation, not quarantining themselves in one group like the NHL. And the NBA are, uh, I think, you know, there was always the opportunity for this to happen. Um, so, you know, as it's, as it stands here, the MLB was able to transition pretty quickly and just have the Orioles and the Yankees uh, play each other. The um, Yankees were originally supposed to play the Phillies, um, but obviously Miami went in there and infected the entire uh, locker room, clubhouse, stadium, whatever you want to call it. Um, it, it turned out that a, a member of the clubhouse, clubhouse worker of the Phillies, and then a coach um, for, for Philadelphia also tested positive. So they've been put on the shelf, uh, similar to the Marlins. Um, a couple of teams have voted to not go to Miami. Um, the, the Nationals actually voted as a team before even getting uh, Major League Baseball approval. They voted no to go into Miami for a weekend series. So as a result of that, um, Major League Baseball put them on the shelf for a week. So 
we'll see how that plays out. Uh, just obviously not ideal to, to start off the show here with even more coronavirus talk. But, uh, you know, I think the MLB hopefully can get through this. And then, you know, there might be things popping up here and there. But uh, I think I just think the MLB teams, it's on themselves to clean it up because it all takes is one guy to basically infect his entire team. And then it takes one team to infect the rest of the league. So uh, what, what are your sort of thoughts on how the MLB has been handling uh, the Marlins in this situation over the past, I guess, few days here? I think it's interesting you bring up, um, you know, kind of the fallout of that. So uh, the Phillies haven't played in, in now a few days just because of, the, the Marlins impact on their team situation with the uh, coach and the uh, clubhouse team member testing positive. Uh, I know I'd, I'd talked to, or I read this week that, that Rod, Rob Manford basically says that, uh, you know, everything's under control. And, and as far as, uh, you know, they did expect, uh, you know, at some point for, for players to test positive and, and for teams to get infected, you know, periodically I, I think he's kind of uh, I'm not going to say you know you know irrationalizing everything that's going on but I think he's just trying to scramble to give the, the public a good a good answer and, and an answer that, that people want to hear almost uh, I think you know you bring up the point of the, of the bubble I think they they definitely should have given it a, a better attempt than, than it seems like they did because as you can see they, they got through one weekend and now uh, the Marlins are, are pretty much, uh, you know, a fish out of water, not, no pun intended, but uh, they're just in a, in a position where they can't really play um, for the time being. And then now the Phillies are, have been on delay. So um, I, I think you bring up the, the point of the bubble. I think that's what needed to happen and to, to keep the league at least, uh, you know, upright throughout all this. And now, you know, you're starting to see the, the negatives of, of kind of, running the league as normal uh, in exception of, you know, no fans and things of that nature. But uh, the problem still still lies on, on coronavirus infecting players and, and clubhouse team members and coaches. And, I, you know, I hope, like, like you had said last episode, um, you know, I don't think this will be the last time this happens uh, in, the, in the aspect of a team getting infected. But I do hope going forward that, you know, that they somehow get this under control. I don't really see how – that's going to be possible with, with all the traveling that, that's going to ensue uh, in the coming weeks and, and the rest of the season. But uh, I, I just look at it like they, they kind of missed the mark. And I think Manfred's getting a lot of criticism. Um, I'm going to say deservingly so. I You know, obviously I wasn't at any of the board meetings. Unfortunately, I didn't get the invite. But Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't get to sit in to, to oh. any of those, those uh, closed, closed door meetings. But um, – you know, I don't know how hard they attempted to, to run it in a bubble situation. It sounds like from the get-go, they were kind of all about the idea of just, you know, playing divisions that were, you know, close in, in geogra geographic region. Um, but that's not enough, obviously, if, if teams are getting infected at a pretty quick rate already. Yeah, I, th I think, uh, you know, you mentioned Rob Manfred. You mentioned him. Um, doing sort of, I guess, a poor job um, in his role. And you mentioned the word scramble. I just think, you know, over the past year or so, uh, and I guess not years, over the past six months or so, he's really been just scrambling. And he's more of a, a reactive uh, commissioner instead of a proactive commissioner in my mind. I, think, I just think that's a good way to put um, his actions, how, how they've been over 
the course of the pandemic. And I feel like he's been in that seat probably, what, three or four years now? Maybe it's longer than that since he took over for Bud Selig. It seems like it wasn't too long ago. It seems like he's relatively new into the role. But I feel like it was a couple of years ago. So, you know, we'll see how he, how he decides to handle it. It seems like now he's finally starting to get with some of the other health and safety measures. Um, it, I saw also today that double headers, if, if a team has to play, two games in one day to make up um, due to, a, due to a loss of a game uh, to COVID or a, or a postponement of a game due to COVID. Uh, those two teams would play a doubleheader and then each game would be seven innings long. Uh, so I thought that was, it was, it was pretty interesting. I think uh, it'll preserve some, some pitchers. It'll preserve uh, some injuries probably from happening, uh, prevent preventative measures um, in, in place there. So I think he's finally starting to be, reactive to these situations and you know if I were him I probably would have put all these measures in beforehand but you know at least the guy's doing something but uh I guess uh, I guess a uh, a sort of a lighthearted topic lighthearted situation to come out of the league since we last recorded was the whole Joe Kelly situation I'm not sure if you saw this Aaron but Joe Kelly who you know pitched for the Red Sox for a few years famously got in a fight with Tyler Austin from the Yankees um you know, they got into a disagreement, I guess, when uh, he, he was beamed by Joe Kelly, charged him out, and they got into it. Obviously, ventures cleared. Well, same sort of thing happened uh, on Wednesday night, I believe. Um, he threw at Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman on, on the Astros, obviously uh, still a little peeved by the cheating scandal, even though he wasn't on the team, uh, the Dodgers team, in 2017 when the Astros won the World Series. Nonetheless, I think uh, – a lot of fans had Joe Kelly's back um, since, you know, the Astros fucked over a lot of baseball fans and their teams. And obviously a lot of baseball purists think what they did was absolutely wrong. And I sort of have to agree, but uh, I thought it was, it, I thought it was kind of funny that he was mocking uh, Carlos Correa after the fact when he, when he was walking back to his dugout that led to the benches being cleared, uh, which obviously isn't in line with social distancing guidelines, but uh, nonetheless, anytime you can get a, you can get a squabble, between two teams early on, it feels like that's the official start of the baseball season. So, not sure if you if you caught that, Aaron. But what was your thought on on this uh, Joe Kelly situation from the other night? Yeah, so I did uh, did get to see you know what transpired between Joe Kelly and then a couple members of the the, the Astros there. Uh, obviously, Kelly throwing the fastball behind uh, Bregman's head, you know, immediately is going to trigger some some people to to be, you know, thinking, obviously, that, that's intentional. Uh, whenever you go up high on somebody, uh, especially with a fastball at that, you know, it wasn't like a breaking ball. It just you lost control of. It was, you know, most of the time, you know, that, that's going to come with intent. Uh, and then, uh, basically, he had taunted Carlos Correa, uh, you know, almost doing like a puppy dog face. And then pretty sure uh, an expletive, uh, the F word, was used in – in uh, reference to Carlos Correa. So um, as much as I, I, I want people to, to send the Astros a message, I have no problem with somebody throwing behind them, uh, you know, maybe a plunk here and there. Uh, I, I don't want, you know, I, I just think Joe Kelly's one of those guys that he kind of uses anything as an excuse to uh, act out and act almost like a child at, at times. That's just how I've, I've viewed him in his career. I, he's one of those guys, it's kind of like I hate the face. Like, I, you know, if I see him, it's just like, I, I can't stand seeing the guy, uh, you know, something about him. But uh, besides the point, uh, I just think that, you know, obviously the suspension that he, he did get was, uh, what, a, 
an eight-game suspension yes, uh, uh, under the under the sixty-game format. I'm reading here that that's a more than thirteen percent of the schedule, you know, for for that suspension. So, Math guy. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know, with that being said, I I don't know is eight games appropriate. I, I probably would have said three to four games uh, more appropriate. You know, he's one of those guys that does work quite often. You know, he pitches probably. I would say every other night or, or you know, on average, uh, one of those, you know, reliever guys uh, just gets in the ball game quite often. So, uh, you know, you, you figure eight games, he's, he's probably missing at least three or four times that he's going out there uh, in, in a season that it's already, uh, you know, quite shortened, it's quite shortened up. So, um, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, obviously I, I think that it was intentional. I think he, he wanted to send a message. Uh, I, I just don't think that, you know, throwing at somebody's head uh, is the right move. And then for him after the fact to say, uh, you know, he, he denied that his intent the entire time. He said, quote, unquote, my accuracy isn't the best. Uh, so that's kind of just complete horseshit, in my opinion, because what pitcher is going to say my accuracy isn't the best? That just sounds like you're doubting yourself. And and you're doubting your ability to, to pitch. So I, I just think Joe Kelly has always been a bullshitter. He's always been a, a guy that likes to stir up controversy. And and it, it's bad enough that he threw it somebody's head. And then just the way he was mocking him, uh, just one of those, it repulsed me. So uh, not a fan of it. Uh, not a fan of the Astros cheating, obviously. And I think, you know, uh, them being thrown at, you know, periodically – you know, that's going to come, and I'm not saying I'm against it, but I just think it makes the league look a little classless in the fact that when they go, when you go up high at somebody's head, that's just not a, you can really basically kill somebody that way, so. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think going for the head should be off limits. It definitely crosses the line. It's without class, however you want to spin it, I guess you really can't, but I think, I think it's also worth mentioning how many games did Altuve get suspended for wearing a wire? Zero. Sure. How many how many games did Craig get suspended? How many games did Bregman get suspended? Zero. Like they still they still kept their World Series title, their World Series trophy. So to me, I think eight games is especially in a sixty game season is way too many. Maybe find it, maybe give him a game or two. I don't know. I, you know, especially when you know only the Astros manager is getting fined. I just think the MLB is protecting the Astros for whatever reason and. Yeah, Joe Kelly throwing at some guy's head. Like, obviously, Joe Kelly's sort of a nutcase. Like, he's been in high-pressure, high-intense situations in terms of tempers flaring before. So, I don't think it's a surprise that, that he would take exception with the Astros cheating. But I just think the MLB, for whatever reason, is protecting the Astros. But uh, getting back to a little bit of a comedic relief uh, type of setting here, uh, Joe Kelly took to Instagram. Uh, to talk about his thoughts about the suspension. I'll read this caption here for you because it's pretty funny. Uh, he goes, quote, hey, guys, uh, with the suspension I received from the MLB for my actions on Tuesday, I'd like to apologize, dot, 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 to absolutely nobody. The Astros are hiding in their dugouts because I'm suspended. Just wait till I get out. Wait for these hashtags here. Hashtag free Joe Kelly. Hashtag apology. Hashtag Joe Kelly Fight Club. Hashtag Dodgers. Hashtag Astros. Hashtag MLB. Here's where they get good. Hashtag Crybaby Correa. Hashtag Joe Kelly for President 2020. Hashtag Houston Ass Clowns. Hashtag Correa Sucks. Hashtag Altuve Sucks. And finally, hashtag Bregman Sucks. The picture is of him with his three kids, but the pictures 
or the faces, I should say, of Bregman, Altuve, and Cray are, are transposed on his face's kid. So basically saying that Joe Kelly is their daddy. Um, electric stuff from social media right there. Yeah, so I, I did see that as well. Now, the, the internet basically says that this picture doesn't really belong to him, but uh, I don't know. A lot of controversy has come from that. I think the original post, there, there's a very good chance that he that he posted that. I think now – you know, maybe he took it down and maybe it was reposted so quick. Yeah, I think, that, he took, I think he took it down after the fact, but. Yeah, a lot of a lot of guys do that. I think a lot of people make, you know, these outrageous posts that are, you know, in, in that aspect, I think, you know, he has no regrets uh, in the fact that, you know, he, he's coming at them for cheating. He's coming at them for, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, cheating teams out of a World Series, cheating uh, even the Dodgers uh, – the chances of the Dodgers get, you know, uh, winning a World Series out of, uh, out of the the aspect of, you know, just just totally cheating at home, you know, giving them an unfair advantage. I'm with that idea. I think, you know, he definitely didn't double down, which I can respect that. So, um, you know, there's there's parts of it I agree with. Uh, there's parts of it I I look at like, you know, once again, I'm just gonna touch on the fact that he threw at their head that just that doesn't fly with me personally. There's a lot of people that, that'll say, you know, whatever they cheated, let them get concussed, let them get, you know, seriously injured. I think that's an extreme point of view, but um, obviously Joe Kelly is kind of, a, I, I can't lie. He's a savage. There's, there's no denying that. So uh, especially for saying, I want to apologize to nobody. It's basically taking one out of McGregor's book. Yeah. You know, I think either way, the first baseball quarrel, squabble, whatever you want to call it, of the season officially marks the beginning and the start of the baseball calendar year, in my opinion. So either way, you know, don't agree with throwing somebody's head, but, uh, you know, I absolutely love the intensity and electricity out of Joe Kelly. Uh, moving on here, we'll get to uh, – we touched on the coronavirus update a little bit with the MLB. Uh, coronavirus opting out, uh, the action of opting out has become – a scene, a full-on scene in the NFL. Uh, we saw, I think it's up to six New England Patriots players opt out, which is great for me, by the way. Uh, a few mm-hmm. other star players around the league are opting out. It's, I think it's, they probably have the most opt-outs, I would say, out of any league so far. I mean, it might be because there's no way the NFL can do a bubble, and, and maybe the numbers are pretty consistent with players opting out of the MLB season. Um, but I just think, like, once that sort of opt-out clause is in place. So if you're considered a high-risk player and you opt out, you still get, I think it's 350 grand for the season. But if you choose to opt out just for like whatever reason, like, or, or just cause you, cause you like feel that you should and you don't, you're not high risk for, or your family's not high risk for anything I should say, then you get 150 grand. So once that sort of stipulation was put in place, uh, I think we saw a flood of opt-outs. So, I, I, I think we touched on this when we were talking about MLB opt-outs a few weeks ago. I don't think I can really blame a player for opting out. Um, and to put it into perspective, one guy in the Chiefs, he's their right guard. Uh, he actually works as a doctor up in Canada. Um, and I think he's doing some COVID research right now. So he opted out of the season, even though I would, I would argue the Chiefs have the best chance to win the Super Bowl this year. So He's arguably foregoing his his, sal- his full salary and then a chance to go back to the Super Bowl uh, to try to better uh, the COVID research out there. So I think guys like that are doing it for their families, doing it for a greater purpose. Uh, but I, I got to say, I can't be too mad that a bunch of Patriots players are opting out. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm kind of the, the same mindset. I mean, it's just amazing that uh, that Chiefs player, uh, what is it, Laurent Doveray? Yeah, I can't Parker, even right? pronounce his name, but uh, I should yeah. I should be able to. But it's yeah, it's a great uh, it's it's a great initiative nonetheless. Yeah, no, I I think you know obviously that that kind of makes me feel like you know what have I what do I have to show for my life? This guy's a doctor and in the NFL. I mean, that's you had a just, podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm part of the best podcast out there. I don't, I don't think Barstools <laughs> even Barstools isn't even on the radar anymore. They don't even they're in our rear, in our rear view pretty far back. <laughs> uh, you know that to me that I, I'm with you on on the aspect of you know I don't really blame players for opting out. I think uh, when you when you talk about football, obviously those guys are are in each other's faces. Uh, you know I have heard about they're making like a like not like a mask. Uh, you know, attached helmet, but, you know, it's kind of like a modification, obviously, uh, for the equipment for this upcoming season. I, who knows how effective that's going to be and and everybody's opinion on how the masks are, are effective in, in preventing COVID or, or the spread of COVID. So, um, you know, especially these players that may have a family member that if they were to get COVID, you know, that, that could be devastating to to not only their their family but to friends and, and everybody involved so I'll, I'm with you on that aspect I think you know hopefully it doesn't become you know so deteriorating that that a lot of players are opting out to the point where you know you'll be watching a game and you haven't heard of anybody on the field I hope that doesn't happen but um, you know if you opt out and, and you don't even have you know I don't want to say legitimate cause but you you just kind of have fears of COVID and and you get 150 grand. I mean, you're basically getting paid 150 grand to sit on your ass. So, <laughs> you know, from that aspect, you know, not not a bad deal. Uh, a lot more money than I'll make this this season or this year. Not even season, but not by um, much though. Yeah, it's 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 anybody's <laughs> race. Anybody's race there. But, uh, yeah, I did see. You know, kind of surprising the. Uh, the Patriots, you know, they were – they have the most players, I believe. Um, yeah, I'm by sure. far. Yeah, so I don't know if they just don't want to deal with, with Belichick and this gives them a reason to hey. uh, jump ship uh, and not deal with his uh, antics. Uh, obviously, Patrick Chung is a big name on that list, and then you got Dante Hightower. Yeah. Uh, both those players are, you know, key pieces to that defense. Uh, so pretty interesting stuff. Um, like I said, I, I hope, you know, I hope and pray that, that the season can go on and, and be at least, uh, relatively normal on, under the circumstances. But, uh, whenever the, the Patriots are weakened at all, I'm a happy camper as long as well as, uh, I know my, my buddy Daniel will be as well. A lot of folks are, you know, throwing around conspiracy theories, this and that Belichick's trying this Belichick's trying that. Belichick's got a couple of cards up his sleeve. Do we think this is part of a conspiracy theory where Bill Belichick is in fact tanking uh, to try to take Trevor Lawrence at the beginning of next year's draft? See, I, I've heard that same that same kind of you know, proposal be thrown out there as well. I think, uh, you know, as much as Belichick uh, can definitely orchestrate you know, a lot of tricks and, and a lot of – he's always got something up his sleeve uh, – uh, I'll definitely agree with that. I think Bill Belichick's the type of guy that he, he doesn't tank. 
Um, you know, maybe in a season like this, um, you know, how much criticism would there really be if, if the Patriots don't go to the Super Bowl with Cam Newton or, or Stidham as their quarterback? Probably not a ton. I mean, the guy's got six Super Bowls in, in his tenure there. So um, I don't think, you know, the Patriots fans would be calling for his head at that point. So, you know, I'm not going to put it past them. Me personally, I, I still think he he wants to prove something this year uh, with, with Brady departing. And, and I think, you know, they're going to, he's going to want them to, to be as good as possible. So in my opinion, maybe the, these players are just, you know, jumping ship because, you know, concerns with COVID or, or uh, just, you know, they're a little bit disgruntled with the organization. I mean, who knows? I'm not going to say all these players are just fearful of COVID. I think there's a lot more that goes into if you give a player an opt-out cause, they can take that for a ton of different reasons. So um, I don't think, me personally, I don't think it's part of an act. But I, at the same time, I, I would not put it past them. And if it came out that it was all part of a, a tanking scheme, then you know I, I would not deny that at all either. Yeah, Bel Belichick has been known to play chess while everybody else is playing checkers before. So whatever he comes up with, I would not be surprised. Uh, this coronavirus talk in the NFL has also brought up the interesting idea of a quarantine quarterback. Uh, so obviously, you know, if you're in a quarterback room of two or three, four guys, whatever it may be, you're obviously in the, in the film room together, on the practice field together. You're probably eating together. You're probably with each other. 10 to 12 hours a day, I would, I would say, on any given day, you know, once you're in training camp. But there is an idea of, of in, in, in the case that somebody tests positive, uh, if your starting quarterback tests positive for coronavirus, do you have a quarterback that is quarantined, still in those meetings virtually, but, but well away, uh, set away from the other quarterback room in case um, one of your quarterbacks or the whole quarterback room, for example, comes down with coronavirus? I think that's an interesting thought. I think uh, – that was a thought as well for kickers to do the same thing. Maybe you have a, maybe if uh, the practice squads are um, enlarged to maybe 10 to 15 guys, you, know, you put a kicker on there and, and have a quarantine kicker as well. So I think the teams that are smart and look at this from a bird's eye view and, and plan strategically for every scenario from A through Z are going to be the ones that are most successful um, and, and ones that are sort of, being reactive, a la Rob Manfred instead of proactive, uh, might find themselves behind the eight ball a little bit. Not to zing Rob Manfred for a second time this podcast, <laughs> but it kind of is what it is. Uh, my friend Rob is entering, slowly entering Derek Carr territory, if you will. Uh, we're going to need a soundbite for him from from Stephen A. But uh, what, do you, what do you think of this whole, whole idea or notion behind a quarantine QB or quarantine kicker? I mean, I think, you know, in my opinion, it's kind of it's kind of something that has to transpire just because, you know, you don't want, let's say, quarterbacks one through three all getting COVID. Uh, that's absolutely devastating. Then, you know, even if the, the starter and the backup get it, that means that the third string guy has to come in and, you know, how, how good are your chances playing with a, a third string? Uh, probably not too much, too well. So, uh, I, I think it's a it's not a bad idea. You know, you got to take drastic measures in, in drastic times like this. So, I'm kind of the mindset. You know, that that's what you actually that's what you have to do. And then, you know, you just have to organize it in a, in a way that it it can't be too devastating. If if one of those players gets COVID, you can't have it spread to 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 all the members of the team, and, and it has to just be divided up 
it's just, it's crazy. I, I was having a conversation with a, a customer at my job today and, you know, we just kept going back and forth on the fact that, you know, we, this is so unprecedented and I think, you know, not to say we took sports for granted before, but uh, it's just, you know, uncharted territory and uncertain times. So it's just, it's such a shame. And I hope that, you know, we can get past this, you know, and I continue to hope that. Who would be your ideal quarantine quarterback for the Eagles? I got, I mean, I got to, I got to roll with Wentz, you know. No, Wentz, but, so, if, so if Wentz goes down with coronavirus, who do you want up next? Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, on, on their current roster, or is this just uh, just an open-ended question, let's say? Open-ended, open-ended. <sighs> That's a tough one. I, I wanted the Eagles to go out and get Andy Dalton as a backup, so uh, that that ship's kind of sailed. But I think that guy, you know, he, he's proven he can win in the NFL consistently, and, you know, if, if – Wentz would go down, injury, COVID, whatever it might be. I think uh, Andy Dalton's that type of guy that, that can step in and win games, uh, you know, not easily, but I, I think he could be effective. I, I don't know. I, I'm not on the Jalen Hurts train yet. Uh, even if he develops into a, a pretty decent quarterback, he, he's going into his first season. And with no preseason at all, I don't, you know, how good is how good a chances does he, does he even have – Playing under the circumstances, probably not too, too good of chances. So I would take a veteran, probably Andy Dalton, um, as far as like a realistic, because he was uh, picked up by Dallas as a backup. No, yeah, that's a good, that's a good thought. I wanted Andy Dalton as well to go to the Jets. We had uh, unfortunately be stuck with Joe Flacco, so he'd probably be my pick, even though his neck is still fucked and won't be ready for probably week one or two. Uh, but that is just. <laughs> Jets being Jets there. Uh, so we'll go to some NHL talk. I haven't talked about hockey in a little bit here. Uh, you know, obviously kind of gets swept under the rug here with, you know, NFL's popularity and the popularity of the NBA. Um, they are, in fact, doing a bubble uh, as well. The Eastern Conference teams are up in Toronto, while the Western Conference teams are out west in Edmonton. Uh, you know, we have our game starting on Saturday. They've been playing some exhibition games. Uh, the Rangers unfortunately lost last night to the Islanders, but we won't talk on that very well. But we'll just do a quick rundown here of some of the series, some of the happenings going on, um, and touch on real quick before we get to a similar sort of rundown of, of the NBA. But uh, getting to the Eastern Conference here, if you remember, um, the top four seeds in each conference are doing sort of a round robin for seeding. Uh, so the top four teams in the Eastern Conference are the Boston Bruins, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Washington Capitals, and the Philadelphia Flyers. So uh, these four teams will battle it out to see who gets uh, one through four, and then we'll subsequently play um, some teams based on seeds, um, obviously out of the, you know, sort of playing series. But uh, I think out of those teams, uh, you know, the best team with, with a chance to win would probably have to be uh, Tampa Bay. I think they're the most dangerous team, you know, Steven Stamkos, Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov. Uh, I just think those three guys. And then they obviously have a Vasilevsky in net. Try saying that four times, five times fast. You can't. Um, <laughs> so I, I think, you know, and they, they wiped uh, they wiped a team. Who they played the other night? I forget. They wiped a team 5 nothing. I think they beat uh, St. Louis Blues the other night 5 nothing. So I'd be on the lookout for them. Uh, in terms of the series to, to play in with those four teams, you have the Pittsburgh Penguins against the Montreal Canadiens. You have the Carolina 
Hurricanes uh, about to lose to the New York Rangers. Uh, and then we have the New York Islanders playing the Florida Panthers. Um, and then we have the Maple Leafs playing the Blue Jackets. Uh, you know, those series, that, that basically rounds out the East. Um, again, the, the teams probably who, who are in those series that have the best chance to win, probably the Penguins and, and probably the Islanders, you know, as much as I love the Rangers and as much as I think they're going to toy box the Hurricanes, you know, maybe, I, don't, I don't think they'll probably get past that series just because of the, the depth that a Pittsburgh – you know, a team like that has, not to even mention the first four seeds. But that's just basically a rundown of the Eastern Conference, and we'll get out west to Edmonton here. Um, with the Western Conference, uh, we have number one seed St. Louis Blues, number two seed Colorado Avalanche, number three seed the Vegas Golden Knights, and rounding out the top four is the Dallas Stars. Obviously, St. Louis Blues uh, won the Stanley Cup last year, so I'd probably ride the hot hand there and and give them the best chance out of those four. Colorado Avalanche, Nathan McKinnon, um, Gabriel Landis-Cog, they're coming off of a coach who just got fired. So they've rallied around the the new coach. They have Miko Rand in there as well. I'd probably give them a decent chance to to go toe-to-toe with the Blue Jackets. But getting to the series here, we have Edmonton Oilers versus the Chicago Blackhawks. That'll probably be one-sided favoring the Oilers uh, since they have the best player on the planet in Connor McDavid. Uh, then we have the Nashville Predators versus the Arizona Coyotes. Um, we have the Vancouver Canucks versus the Minnesota Wild. And then to round out the last series, we have the Calgary Flames versus the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, you know, out of, out of these first-round series for the West, you know, not really too intriguing. You know, I'd probably give uh, the edge here to the to the Predators and Arizona Coyotes as being the most interesting first series in the, in the West, uh, just because you have Phil Kessel, Taylor Hall um, on the Coyotes, and then you have a slew of good players, um, you know, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, you know, guys like that on, on the Predators. But uh, not to bore Aaron too much here, he's probably falling asleep by now, but that's basically okay. a rundown of the NHL, and we can get into some more NBA stuff in a minute, but uh, just for I gave the listeners basically a rundown of what's going to be taking place this weekend. Uh, I'll, I'll touch on one thing, isn't it? Uh, you know, far from the far from the biggest hockey uh, enthusiast on the planet, but uh, I just look at isn't it kind of amazing that the the Penguins are, are that that franchise? It just seems like they're extremely consistent, like year to year to year to decade to decade. At least in the from from my memory, it just seems like you can never write that team off, like ever. Yeah, no, I hate it. Uh, I hate Pittsburgh. I hate Sidney Crosby. I hate Evgeny Malkin. Um, I hate the city. I hate the whole western part of Pennsylvania. Uh, if we're being Damn. honest, they won. Uh, they won the cup back in '16. They won the cup in '17. The next year, so uh, you know, it's. I mean, it's all just due to. I mean, their coach is is very good in in uh, Mike. What's his name? Mike something. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You know kill myself trying to remember that name but uh research department slacking again slacking very hard they just got Patrick Marlowe he's a he's a veteran from the San Jose Sharks they got him at the deadline to add some scoring depth Evgeny Malkin obviously is one of the I'd probably say one of the most physically gifted naturally talented guys in the NHL and and Sidney Crosby pound for pound dollar for dollar is, is the best player in the NHL still um doing it on both ends as a centerman, um, winning face-offs, battling defensively, blocking shots, and then 
you know, put up over 100 points a season. Uh, so, I, you know, I really can't count them out at any point. Their goaltending situation is a little bit in flux, I will say that. Uh, their number one goalie, you know, from the past 10 to 15 years, Marc-Andre Fleury was dealt um, to Vegas a few years ago. I think he was actually exposed in the expansion draft. Um, you know, and he's been in Vegas since they started that franchise two years ago. Now it's been. So the Penguins are, are a good team. They're playing the Canadians. Uh, you know, the Canadians do have the best goalie in the world, in my opinion, in Carey Price. So if they can get by him a few times, you know, I think they'll be well on the, well on their way to probably a sweep. Uh, you know, if, if I'm a betting man, I'd probably take them um, to, to probably win in three or four games in that series. But you bring up a good point. It's, it's very tough to count them out in any given year, especially – in a year when when everyone's healthy and refreshed coming off of a restart. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely I'll definitely at least keep up with the uh, the playoffs, and uh, you know maybe I'll I'll throw a random bet on the the Rangers for your sake, uh, just to you know maybe bring some good luck uh, their way and and your way. Hey, I would I would take I'm hey I I I might throw a few bucks on them as well. They're they're obviously a lower seed, not favored to win, but I will tell you in the four games we play the Hurricanes this season, we won all four decidedly 4-0. Uh, so I'd probably take that to the bank. Artemi Panarin, he's a Russian. Uh, he was uh, an MVP candidate. Mika Zibanejad, he's a Swede. Um, he scored the most goals. He had the best you know, goals per game average out of any player. He had 41 goals in 57 games. So that was off the top of my head. The research department did not give me that. I'll say that right now. Um, <laughs> but they arguably have one of the best goalies, best young goalies in the league. So um, I would say that's a combination and a recipe for success against uh, basically a, a forgotten franchise since no one likes hockey down in. I don't even know if they're in North Carolina or South Carolina, to be honest. So uh, that just shows – I think they're in North Carolina. That just, show, that just goes to show um, how irrelevant the Carolina Hurricanes are. <laughs> no, I think that was uh, that was a great great sum up. I don't think anybody talks hockey as seriously as uh, Dan the Man Kurtz, so uh, I'll I'll definitely take his word on on all those takes. Uh, I'll take him to the bank and deposit him. It's uh, it's my sport, man. Can't can't deny it. Um, you know, I think I think we got a transition here uh, to NBA. Uh, we're gonna do a little live update. Uh, the Clippers and Lakers are. I think this is a seeding game. Uh, I don't even think this is the series yet. You can, you can speak on the NBA better than I can, but uh, this is the first night of game. So we had the Jazz uh, play um, Zion Williamson and the Pelicans earlier. Uh, the Jazz ended up taking it. Uh, Rudy, Rudy Gobert, who actually ironically shut down the entire league and then subsequently the entire United States by contracting coronavirus, uh, scored the game-winning basket. So good for Rudy, uh, kind of an asshole for – making the league shut down, but uh, it was probably going to happen anyway. So good for him. Um, the the Lakers and, and Clippers are in a battle right now with four minutes as we're talking left in the second quarter. Lakers are winning 51 to 46 behind 17 points from Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma coming in second here uh, with 10 points. LeBron has a forgettable six points, two for eight from the field. Uh, not sure what he's doing, but uh, Anthony Davis is 11 for 11 from the free throw line. So, Got to respect that. Then Kawhi is 17 points as well, and Paul George has 11. So very similar uh, back-and-forth game we have going right now. But um, which team, Aaron, are, are, you, are you most looking forward or which storyline are you most looking forward to going into the rest of these seeding games and then the rest of uh, the NBA playoffs? Sure. So uh, obviously I'm going to be a 
a little bit interested with how J.R. Smith, you know, fares with LeBron. Obviously, don't have the, the best relationship in the aspect of, uh, you know, made a, a bonehead play. Uh, what was that, game one in, in Golden State? Yeah. Was now a few LeBron years. LeBron dropped 50. 5-0. But, uh, 50 yeah, you know, we'll see if, if J.R. Smith can keep his head on straight. I, I Maybe with no crowd, maybe with, with less distractions, I would say, um, you know, he finds some way to do so. Uh, I'm always pulling for my boy. Uh, one of my favorite players is always going to be Damian Lillard. But uh, just, you know, trailblazers don't seem to do much in the playoffs uh, year after year. They're kind of like the uh, Toronto Raptors up until when they got Kawhi. They just, you know, they fell out first round, second round, first round, second round all the time. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the Trailblazers make a run. I just don't see it happening. So, uh, ultimately, probably going to pull for the for the Clippers, as as you know, Dan knows. I'm, I'm kind of an anti-LeBron uh, supporter, and and you know, we we do differ in that aspect. Not nothing against uh, Dan's opinion or, or anything like that. Nothing personal. Nothing personal. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. I think uh, Clippers and Lakers should be a hell of a, a series, regardless. Uh, of who pulls it out. Uh, I think the Clippers are, are deeper, but uh, obviously LeBron hard to beat. Have you seen, uh, I'll pull up a, a little bit of a, you know, a side topic, but uh, LeBron starting to get gray in his hair and his beard. That was kind of a, a weird thing. I thought to see uh, he's on what going on 36, just a little bit different. He's getting up there, man. I, 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 I <laughs> you know, when I'm 36, I'm probably going to have a full head of gray hair, so I, I can't really hate, hate the man. But I think it's absolutely ridiculous how Skip and Shannon have that as a topic. I think the headline was basically like, why is LeBron choosing to show his age um, by showing gray hair? I'm not sure what that has to do with his performance on the court or sports in general. I think it's just, uh, you know, another example of the media talking – about every aspect, every inch, um, and analyzing every opportunity they get um, of LeBron's life for whatever reason. Um, it's, it's a thing that ESPN has done for years and seems to have stemmed over into the Fox airwaves. I hate to see it, honestly, because Skip and Shannon typically aren't like that, but uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's toxic, to say the least. Yeah, I think, you know, in some aspects, they're running out of things to talk about, but in, in the same, you know, in the same breath, uh, all the sp sports are coming back. So you would think they wouldn't dive into, to, you know, basically topics that are irrelevant or, or just plain stupid. But, um, you know, I did think, you know, at, at age 36, it was, it is kind of weird, you know, maybe if LeBron was, you know, 46 or something like that to have gray in his beard, but, uh, you know, can't, can't lie. You know, the, the guy is a, a hell of a basketball player. I'm sure he has more stress than, than people, you know, uh, basically take into account because, you know, being, being one of the best players in the game, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, every, uh, your everybody's eyes are, are on LeBron and, you know, if he would make any mistake in the public eye, he's going to be exposed for it. So I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, dive into to why is LeBron getting gray hair? That, that's just kind of stupid. But, um, you know, it, to me, it just was a little bit surprising. That's all that, that, you know, to me, he's still fairly young at 36 obviously getting uh, old in the tooth in the, in the league perspective, but 36 isn't like old by any means, in my opinion. 
I guess they ran out of uh, Just for Men products at their barbershop down there in the bubble in Orlando. <laughs> so I think they're going to have to restock and, and get him fixed up and get him figured out. Or maybe he'll have to film uh, an episode of HBO's of The Shop at that barbershop and uh, get get his beard touched up a little bit. But, uh, yeah, J.R. Smith, you mentioned, I think he's right back to his old antics. Uh, if we're talking about plus-minus here, he was the only Laker that was minus in the first half. They were down seven points when he was on the floor. So – uh, it's good to see some things never change when uh, when the J.R. Smith and LeBron James team up on the basketball court. So hopefully we'll get some more J.R. moments. Uh, some other players that, that might be on the hot seat. Uh, Lou, Lou Williams obviously left uh, the bubble too. It was a personal matter. He I think he attended his grandfather's funeral. So um, definitely no personal attack from us there at Camp Lehman whatsoever. But on the backswing, on the way back to the bubble, he had to stop at his favorite place to get wings. Uh, which happened to be a strip joint called Magic City in Atlanta, I believe it is. I've never been there, obviously, but uh, the, the folks, the kids tell me. Uh, yeah, obviously, I've never been there. Obviously, uh, the kids tell me that uh, it's, a, it's a strip club in, in Atlanta. So uh, he has to be quarantined for eight days or t- eight or nine days, I believe, and he is not playing this game. So uh, maybe it was worth it for him just to get uh, some chicken wings. Yeah, you got to think. I mean. Uh, as much as uh, as much passion as a lot of the players do have, you know, there'll always be a guy here and there that uh, will will kind of put himself above. Not not to say Lou Williams did that in this scenario, but it's one of those things where, you know, they're gonna do what they want. The, these guys are millionaires. You know, they're not being used to being told what to do, uh, whether it be the league or or really by anyone. So uh, I can't. I've always been a Lou Williams guy back in back in Philly. I mean, he tore it up. Uh, as a member of the Sixers, uh, I think letting him go was a big mistake, and he still continues to be, you know, in my opinion, probably the best bench player in the league or in the top five of, of best bench players uh, in the league. So, uh, obviously, they're they're going to miss him being gone, but uh, when he comes back, I, I fully expect him to, to make a big impact and, you know, definitely an interesting story. Uh, I, know, I know Kendrick Perkins kind of came at him, and then, and then just like Kendrick Perkins tries to come at everybody's life, like he's some type of Dr. Phil and, and he knows all or something like that. But, uh, at, you know, shout out to Kendrick Perkins. He's, he was always a scrub in the NBA. He didn't really amount to much. Now uh, he's kind of a scrub as a commentator. So uh, as, as funny as he is at times, I think he, he kind of just likes to poke fun at, at people and, and just tries to ruffle some feathers. Uh, once again, doing that here and then, Lou Williams kind of clapped back saying, you know, it's funny when we're in person, you're not, you're not really, uh, it's not the same vibe. It's not the same uh, energy as far as, you know, he's not, he doesn't really come at anybody in, in person. He just kind of does it behind the, uh, behind the desk and, and in front of a camera in front of his face. So uh, just, you know, more nonsense, but uh, funny nonetheless. Yeah. Perks is sellout. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about <laughs> that. Uh, it's, it's a toxic toxicity or if that's even a word a toxic nature I guess I'll go with of ESPNs the the Bleacher Reports the Fox News it's just everyone's looking for clicks everyone's looking for a view everyone's trying to create a saucy headline to get the people in the door to get the asses in the seats and if you're a former player um, doing that on live television whether it be basketball football baseball hockey whatever sport if you're a former player and, and you're going on in um, giving some hot takes because that's your job. I think you have to expect some backlash. And for him to simply say that it's just he's just doing it for TV, I think is like 
a bullshit easy way out of it. Uh, and Perk, I, I don't even know why they give that guy airtime. He can barely string together two sentences. Not that I'm saying I can, because uh, I obviously can on this podcast, but uh, there ha- there have to have been someone better um, to analyze the NBA than Perk. And I think he's just going for an easy target when you actually take a step back. And he's going for an easy target in Lou Williams. And if you take a step back and actually look at the totality of the situation, Lou Williams left the bubble to go see his grandfather. And yes, he obviously was risking getting coronavirus by going to a fucking strip club, but um, he did leave the bubble for a good reason. Um, But to bring this full circle, yes, I do think the 76ers would be disgusting if they still had Lou Williams. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you make uh, some, some very good points there. I think Perkins, uh, he's just that guy that, that ESPN can throw on there and, and they can tell him to say anything. And he, I doubt he, he says to them, you know, no very often to any script that they hand him. He, he just kind of likes to take shots. I remember when Charles Barkley was kind of that guy and he's, you know, kind of faded out. I mean, he, he gets into those conversations with uh, Draymond Green a lot still. They, they don't like each other. I don't think they ever will, uh, that type of thing. But, uh, you know, Perkins – you know, he definitely makes it interesting how much of it is real. I, I doubt, you know, I'm going to probably bank on that 75% of it isn't how he actually feels. But uh, nonetheless, he's ESPN's puppet, and, and they always need one of those. So, uh, you know, Lou Williams, I, you know, I think uh, understandably so, you know, goes to, a, goes to a family member's funeral, that type of thing. But uh, in my personal opinion, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, he's an asshole by any means, but uh, you just kind of – you know, you are in the public eye and you are a professional basketball player. So if you go to a strip club, obviously people are going to talk about it. Uh, we live in the day and age where everybody has a cell phone and, and can pull it out and, and record you. So, um, you know, probably not the smartest decision on his end. But uh, nonetheless, I think, you know, he when he comes back, he'll make an impact and it'll quickly be forgotten if he if he plays very well. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's valid points. And, uh, you know, folks, I, I think uh, we're able to touch on stereotypically as a sports podcast, as a brutally honest sports podcast, you're able to touch on all the four major sports tonight. And it's, and it's great to see that um, all the four major sports will be at one point played at the same time, I believe. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see here if the, if the NFL um, gets delayed any further, but uh, either way, it's great to talk, um, you know, sports actually being back and uh, you know, especially with, with the two sports in the bubble, it seems like, Um, They're succeeding and and, and things are going quite well for for those two, uh, whether it be with the NBA in Orlando or the NHL in Edmonton and Toronto. So uh, thanks for for listening and and hopefully this is able to take you into your weekend and we're excited to get back at it with uh, two more shows next week. But uh, Aaron, why don't you take us home? Yeah, thankful as always for the supporters. I think, uh, you know, as as we transition into the playoffs, uh, it'll only get more exciting. And uh, hopefully some more interesting storylines come from, you know, either the bubble uh, for, for the NHL or, the, or the, for the bubble for the NBA. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed the MLB continues to stay afloat somehow, some way throughout all the uh, COVID nonsense going on. Take this out.